Monday. Sorry that there was no episode last week. I was so ill with a stomach bug, which was just wild. I don't think I've had one of those in like 10 years or more. Um, so yeah, definitely wasn't feeling great, um, but I'm all better now and I have an awesome episode for you guys. And I also have some exciting episodes coming up in the future. So, you know, stay, stay tuned. Um, but yeah, I have some exciting things um, going on. And then today I'm speaking with Tori Penta, who is just such an awesome person. She is not only on my team at Talkspace, but she is also just so cool and like such a badass woman. I, I love her. Um, so I think you all really enjoy this. And also it's funny because we go into a lot of like talking about wellness trends and on one hand, we're kind of dissecting, you know, what is fact versus fiction. Um, but towards the end, of the towards the end of the episode, Tori gives a lot of helpful tips of just like things she does, and I can certainly attest that um, the ones I've tried have really worked for me. So, yeah, just a, a quick plug to stay tuned till the end of the episode. Um, before we jump in, I wanted to quickly talk about Talkspace, which is actually both my and uh, Tori's employer. Um, you know, it's been a really rough couple of years. We're heading to the, you know, two-year anniversary of when lockdown began in 2020, and I think that's going to bring a lot of feelings of, you know, grief and um, just anxiety um, to everyone. So it can be, yeah, a tough time. And if you're going through something and need to talk it out, you're not alone, and there's no shame in asking asking for help. Um, but unfortunately, there is a really shortage of a huge shortage um in therapists so I really would encourage you know everyone to seek out help and um one great way to do that is through groups like Talkspace because they make it a lot more a lot easier to find a therapist who can help so um if you want to get started with Talkspace you can go to Talkspace.com and use the code Zoe Z-O-E at checkout for a hundred dollars off your first month if you just want to speak to someone, um, it's super easy. You get matched the same day that you sign up. And um, I promise you it's it's worth it just to talk to someone. And $100 off your first month is a, is a big chunk of money. So yeah, that's Talkspace, T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E.com. And then use the code Zoe at checkout for $100 off. Um, also, since you know we're working with a coach today, as in at Tori, she's a, a life coach, um, I wanted to also talk about my friend Madison, who is a grief coach, and um, she's been doing amazing work with her uh, grief and groundwork um, business, and she specifically helps those who are going through, who are struggling with the grief um, loss and just, um, you know, really, really tough feelings that I've definitely experienced, and she is just we've had her on the podcast and she is just so wise and knows so many different therapeutic techniques. And I would really just encourage you all to check her out. Um, so if you just follow her on grief and groundwork on Instagram, you can learn more about Madison and her practice. Um, so that is going to be grief and groundwork, all one word on Instagram and just slide into her DMS and say that Zoe sent you. All right. Without further ado, here's the episode with Tori. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sauce in the City. Today, I'm so excited to be here with Tori Penta, who is my friend and my colleague, and also the founder of Transformed by Tor, which is a life coaching business. Tori, thanks so much for being here. Yay, I'm so excited to be here, Zoe. I'm pumped about getting to talk with you and all the things. Me too. So if you don't mind just kind of telling me a little bit more about yourself, where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What's your story? For sure. For sure. So I grew up in Massachusetts, right outside of Boston, about like 10 minutes outside the city, born and raised. Um, Kind of your classic, I feel, path that is laid out, if you will. So I went to um, undergraduate at Babson College, which is a small business school. And I was an athlete for most of my life. So I played soccer pretty much from age four until I graduated college. Um, and I'm 26 years old now. So my road to where I am and how I met you obviously is a little bit different and windy, but ultimately spent most of my life focused as an athlete and then kind of faced all these sorts of life changes upon graduation to say like, who am I, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Um, and ultimately spent some time working in corporate and now I'm just, here working with you at Talkspace and then also doing my own life coaching stuff on the side. So many similarities just in terms of like the side hustle and, you know, the moving from just like major corporate world to somewhat corporate world, but like that, that shift. Um, also just quick side note, how are you feeling about Tom Brady retiring? Uh, well, it's funny because I've been saying he's going to retire. I actually, before he announced that he was retiring I said to my boyfriend I was like Tom's gonna retire and he's like no he's not (laughs) I was like yes he is and then he did I mean I feel like he's it's time in terms of his family and Giselle and all of that I feel like they need him back but yeah I I don't know he was a legend so I feel like it's gonna change I thought he would retire after a win that's why I was like I know I know he he was probably getting a little bit of pressure I feel from his family yeah for sure (laughs) okay Back to the, back to the story. (laughs) Um, So kind of going back to, you know, you were in sports, like at a school and was Babson, is Babson the school that's very focused on like entrepreneurship? Yeah, exactly. So to be honest with you, when I was in high school, um, so much of my focus was, was soccer and sports. So a lot of my college process was geared around where can I play? Where can I play? Mm-hmm. Where can I play? And it wasn't until I actually went to campus, um, to Babson and the coach had been recruiting me for a little while. And I was like, Oh, what is this school? I don't really know what it is. And I went and I learned a bit about it. And I realized I was like, you know, I'm somebody who probably would do well in a structured environment because I, my brain kind of goes all over the map. So when I learned about the entrepreneurial focus, starting businesses, both my parents are entrepreneurs. So I think internally, I felt really aligned to that and um, it was a good fit in that regard because it's all about how can you learn to be an entrepreneur? How can you learn to be in business? And ultimately um, that's what kind of got the juices flowing, I think, for where I am in my own entrepreneurial journey too. Definitely. I could be wrong, but did the founder of Mad Happy go there? Mm. It's very possible. I'm so bad with little facts. <laughs> so I don't I know. Like look that up and make sure I'm I'm right. Um but so so you go to this school that's just gonna heat in. Um 
<laughs> so you go to this school that's like very focused on, you know, um, starting businesses and, and being an entrepreneur. Uh, but then you go into, you know, the corporate world, um, like consulting uh, vibes. Yeah. did Is that what you expected? Or like, I guess, how did you kind of fall into like, I don't know, I like to call it just like the classic at Hopkins, there were like three different things you could do after school, at least that like mm. were programmed in my brain, like consulting, investment banking, or become a doctor. How did you find yourself like, you know, fall into that trap for lack of a better word? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And it's funny because when I reflect on my experience, even back to high school a little bit, I realized that so many of the choices that I made in each phase weren't really my choices. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So I was choosing from a place of this is what I feel like I should do. This is okay. what I feel like will drive me to a quote unquote successful path. And at the time, like I said, soccer was my focus and it was because I loved it so much. It was physical. I felt empowered by it. So at school, I kind of was so focused on sports that to me, I didn't prioritize as much. Okay. Let me take the classes that fuel my soul. And what does that even mean to me? I didn't even know what that meant. So instead I was like, okay, I'm a woman, I'm in a business school. What would be strategic for me to do? And so I studied finance because I don't know, finance means money in my brain at the time. And so I hate numbers. I'm going to be honest. Like I really hate them. It's not my, it's not how my brain works. I'm way more creative, but at the time I was just like, this is what I'm going to do to help me get to the next successful place. And so my junior year, no, maybe it was my senior year. I can't remember. Um, no, it was senior year when I was looking at jobs. I, again, similar to what you just mentioned about Hopkins, it was like big four accounting firms, investment banks, um, real estate, sales. Like there was, because it was a business school, there's a lot of options in terms of where you could True. go. But I, I didn't really think about it that way. I was like, okay, like these are the, these are the places that I can work because this is where I'm going to make money. And this is what's going to make me successful. At the same time, I'm like, what do I want? I have no idea. So when I made the choice to take the job at EY, which is where I worked, I was like, I'm never going to get a better opportunity. Like I have to take this. I'm doing it. Um, and so that choice was at the time my choice, but it really wasn't my choice. It was a choice based on something I believed to be true that I later then found out wasn't really a right fit for me because when I first started working there, it was just, it was a lot. It was a whirlwind for me personally, professionally. Yeah. And yeah. I know, you know, cause you worked in a similar environment. So it's so wild. I mean, I literally, you summed up my, my own personal experience between like from the time I was literally, I don't even know, like 10 years old. I think, I mean, a huge part of it is that both my parents worked in um, finance. My mom was investment banking. My dad was in sales and trading at like, you know, like the glitzy, like glitziest banks like Goldman mm-hmm. and Morgan Stanley. And so, and they both went to like the best business schools in the country. And so my whole life, all I've heard of was like, that story of working investment banking, like working your ass off and then going to business school and then like going back to banking or like my mom started her own business. So like I just never thought my life would be anything else. Like I thought that was success. And then I start, I like tried to do something like strategic, like going into a job that was tech 
and consulting and financial consulting. So it kind of touched on both of those and then was like, do I even know what I like to do? Like, <laughs> and it's just so sad because yeah, I have so many regrets of like never taking a psychology course in, in college. Instead, I'm like going on runs and listening to like Bessel van der Kolk. Like, like <laughs> I've like, literally never taken a psych course, but I'm like, di- like self diet or like diagnosing everyone with like, I think you like should go to see someone. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just like so wild. And, it's whenever I like meet someone who's like going into college now or like a freshman, I'm like, literally just take a class. Do you want to take like, seriously, I feel the same way. I think something that I really resonate with, with what you just said is there's so much for a while, for a really long time. I had a hard, t- I, I didn't realize I'm like, what am I good at? Like, what is my thing? And it was soccer, but then I'm like, okay, that ends, that comes to an end. What is it that I feel aligned to? What is it that excites me? What do I feel good at? And I always knew talking to people, connecting with people. I've been somebody who is able to sit with somebody and kind of troubleshoot what they're going through and off the cuff, help them to come to a solution or a realization. I feel very, very passionate about serving humans, but for so long, And even now, sometimes I'm like, is that a skill? Like, what is that? Like, does that equate to anything? How can I get a job in that? Like, what even is that? I don't want to be a doctor. I I don't want to do that. But at the same time, there's this weird thing that I know in my soul I'm good at, but it's like, how do I convert that into a job? And I couldn't comprehend it at the time. So to your point, I just kind of decided, well, this is what everyone says to do. This is what it looks like. It's going to be a path to success. So I'm just going to choose this. Um, and there's such a lack of alignment in that, in that, in that sense, you know, when you choose from that place, when did you have that realization that it could be a job? Personal experience of really dark times. I think when I, when I left college and I mentioned this at the beginning, there was a big identity grieving process for me of like, who am I without sports? Yeah. You know, for a long time, people would ask me oh, like, who are you? What's your name? Like, but where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm Tori. I grew up in Belmont. I'm a soccer player. Mm-hmm. And that was the sentence. And it's like, okay, the last part's gone. So who am I? And so when I started a job, right, my m- mentality and my personality didn't change. I'm still very much like, I'm going to go balls to the walls or whatever it is and push myself really hard. And I did that, but I did it in the context of a job that one, wasn't aligned for me Two, the content of the work was really tough for me to feel excited about. And three, it was rigorous and demanding and complicated and hard. And so all that was a perfect storm of, oh my God, I'm super anxious. I'm super unhappy. Like waking up in the morning in tears being like, why do I feel so terrible? Why do I feel so wrong in what I'm doing? But also like, there's no light, like where the hell am I going to go from here? Like what other job is there? Like, this is the only way for me to find success. And so to answer your question, It took me a couple of years of like, okay, I'm super miserable and I'm not really functioning to maybe you should see a therapist sister (laughs) and then like doing that. And then eventually like building the awareness and cultivating the awareness through those, that the therapeutic experience to say, okay, so much of my anxiety and stress is from a lack of purpose. How can I find my, find that purpose within me. And I, that was really where I started finding coaching. And I worked with some amazing, amazing 
coaches, energetic healers type of people to really help me cultivate the awareness that, Hey, like there's a skill here. There's a skill in connecting with people. And also, by the way, I'm sitting across the table from somebody who's literally doing exactly what that skill set is. So I saw with my own two eyes, like, this is a job, this is a business opportunity. This is something. Did, did you, or like prior to you connecting with a therapist, had you always been interested in like mental, physical health and, um, like energetic healing and just kind of that, you know, like functional medicine type area, or was that something that developed when you, you know, found, um, like when you started doing that work on yourself? I think both beginning, I would say I was very, I've always been super interested in physical wellness. I think just from being an athlete, but at the same time, for me, when I'm struggling into this day, if I have a day where I wake up, even for example, today waking up and I'm just like not feeling it, like I feel super off and I still have those days moving. My body is my way. Like I can sit and meditate all that I want, but I know I have to get into my body to feel better. So for me, physical well-being was probably the gateway to this space of like energetic healing and like, what does that mean? And wellness and functional wellness, um, And so it started with always knowing that working out and like, or moving my body in any capacity was healing for me, but it wasn't until I really started working with practitioners and people who were doing a lot of meditative work with me, who were teaching me the power of breath and breath work. And like, what does that mean in terms of healing anxiety that I got into this other sphere of like, whoa, you know, there's another world of, of possibility and well-being and what it means than just going for a run, you know? So it was kind of both. Yeah, definitely. So I kind of like just going off of, you know, the world, the industry that we're both kind of in at this point, um, being, you know, like wellness, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while and – I feel like you're the perfect person to have this conversation with given both, you know, your own journey and like how similar our experiences were, but also both of us being in as our full-time job, this space, but also tangentially like you having your coaching business, me having my podcast. Um, And so basically I wanted to talk a little bit how in recent years, like the wellness concept has been capitalized. I mean, I'm sure it has always been, but more so in, I'd say like the past five years and especially in the pandemic. Um, So just for like context, well, you know, wellness has grown from a budding personal health to um, a budding personal health concept to as of February, 2020, it's a $4.2 trillion global industry, which is wild. And on one hand, you know, I get like we live in a capitalist society. At the end of the day, anything that's popular is going to be used for marketing purposes. So whether it's, you know, listening to meditation um, in in a car and like the car, like, you know, for a Subaru commercial or something, or if it's, you know, like for people working in real estate, like really emphasizing the bathrooms and the spas and whatever, And I guess I'd love to hear your thoughts on like where that balance is between 
wellness as something that's like wholesome for lack of a better word to just you know something that we can buy into and that's like a fix-all solution to all of our problems because I think my concern with the this kind of gross capitalization of wellness is that people are really struggling right now and are looking you know outside for like for solutions everywhere because there's we've been in a global pandemic for two years and a lot of people aren't comfortable with therapy so they're looking for any other solution and so you know they see something advertised that's supposed to you know cure all their problems or like there's you know just supposed to take like a cbd tablet or something and it's going to cure their world only for like 99 dollars per month like I think that's where my concern lies is that by not addressing the underlying issues, we're just once again trying to put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole, if that makes sense. 100%. 100%. I think, well, one, it's it's so perfect that both of us work for a company that leads with deep care and yeah. deep solving for those root causes, as well as what I do on the side with coaching, because I think to me, when I think about wellness and when I think about all that exists in this space, so seed from a CBD product on a shelf to a meditation app, to a morning routine, to a a plant-based food supplement, like whatever it is, I think of those things as add-ons and enhancers to what's going on with a person themselves. So for example, I may be struggling, right? Deeply. If I haven't sat with what's within me, if I haven't felt into my experience. Let's say I'm having extreme sadness and I haven't like sat in that and felt it and sorted it, whether it's with the help of a professional or just with myself and cultivating that experience, a CBD droplet is going to do nothing for me. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think there's a space for all that exists in wellness. And it's a wonderful thing that we're leading in this world with, Hey, we can feel better. And that should be a priority. I think we've come far in that degree, but at the same time, your own discernment as a consumer and the intention behind these bigger businesses has to be really ethical for it to work. And that's why I'm a huge believer in things like therapy or things like working with a coach who can sit with you and hold you and put a container for you to be able to, to feel life. It's hard. Things are hard. Feelings are complex. There's so much that happens in a human experience and the magic happens when you have the space and the grace and the support to feel what you're feeling and and be in the struggle and tease out. Oh my God, it's been such a tough two years with COVID and whatever the context is, I need to be able to feel it and work through it. The word emotion is like energy in motion for someone to let go of an energy. They have to, or an emotion rather, they have to sit in it, feel it and it'll pass. And so to answer your question in a really circular way, I think there's a, there's so much value in these consumer products and all the businesses that exist in wellness but it's so much more than just taking a CBD tincture or checking a box as an organization. It's what's the intention and the intention has to be human. It has to be, we want to help people feel better. And so we need to think about, or I need to think about if it's an individual scenario, 
how can I feel my best first and then play in the spaces of adding in supplementation, adding in, in meditation apps and all the other external things. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. I think you have so many good points. Like I almost think of, you know, darker or difficult emotions as like a hangover because mm. like the only cure for hangover really is like water and time. And I think that it's the same thing with emotions. It's like as a, you know, society, especially, I mean, granted, I don't know much about other like cultures and, and wellness. I'd like love to explore that more, but I think in American, the, or at least Western civilization, we don't like to sit with those emotions. We like to find a solution. We like to get on with our day and like being an, and and so just as you said, like if you don't kind of take time just to process it or write it down or speak about it with a therapist or a friend or a coach, then you'll never really it'll never go away. It's just going to be there and build up and then you're going to react to things that in ways that you wouldn't necessarily do if it were just like, I don't know, anything else. But um you're going to have those reactions because of like all of those things building up and then looking at it from like the corporate perspective. I always think of like, do you remember last year when people were, I forget if there was like a lot of people leaving bank IB jobs or if like what the reasoning was and like, but then like all of a sudden all these banks just start giving out like Pelotons and like huge bonuses and it was like, oh, okay, that's great, but people are still depressed. Like, mm. like going on a Peloton ride or having like a 10k raise is not gonna help. Like, is not gonna, you know, change that. And I always just like think back to that because I think that's a perfect example of just how some a lot of companies like it. As you said, well, and this has just been another thing they want like a, a box they need to check off rather than taking the time to say like, well, why are employees are our employees so burnt out? And what can we do that will address this problem from the bottoms up as opposed to like the top down? Mm, For sure. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, we're so, we've lost so much of the ability to be in silence, to be in the quiet moments. I mean, I think we are as a society, I mean, technology has changed the way the world works. And so we're constantly stimulated by so many different things. And it's incredible because it's allowing us to connect in ways we've never connected before and do so many different things. But in that experience, there's so much power in just the still moments in checking in and in just taking a moment to say like, what am I experiencing? What am I feeling? And we've lost it. And we are like, I almost envision people in a pool, like treading water and like trying to grab the side of the pool. And that's what we're doing with like all these external modalities, whether it's a raise, whether it's a Peloton, whether it's any of these things, it's like, we're chasing something outside of ourselves to solve something within ourselves. And at the end of the day, that's only going to just exacerbate and perpetuate the thing that's going on because we're not addressing it at the root. Um, and I love the analogy about it being like a hangover because it's so true. You and anybody who is a human on this earth is 
having their own personal experience and the only way to feel the sense of like, like the sigh of relief is to allow yourself grace and space to be in the really tough times that stink without judgment. Yeah. So I think that that's where like therapy and healing in these other types of supports can be incredible, especially for, you know, organizations or individuals or whatever else. Definitely. So how would you advise like your clients um, in your coaching business? Like let's say someone came to you with that exact scenario of like feeling stuck and feeling like they don't have a purpose or they're going through a painful emotion. What advice would you give them to get through that? Like with specifics. So for example, you know, if it's like how to sit with that emotion or what to do in order to process it. Mm, Yeah, it's a great question. And a lot of the way in which that I coach and I try to support healing for clients and people that I work with is through both the mind and the body. So the body keeps the score. It's a wonderful book. I really recommend it. If any of you who are listening have, have or haven't read it, um, talks about how much emotion and, and stagnant energy is stored in the body. And so when someone, I mean, every single client is different, so it's going to look a little different, but the first thing that I like to do with people is relax their nervous system. So what that means is you can't sit with, you can't get clarity in your mind or anything. If your body's in overdrive and a lot of times, you know, all of us who are living in, or myself, for example, I can speak from, I, you know, when I was working at my job and I was stuck and anxious and freaking out, like my heart rate was elevated. I was, my body was like in overdrive. And so you, I couldn't function until I calmed that down. So often I sit with somebody in meditation and breathing the beginning of a session to just regulate the system to be able to come to a place of, okay, now that we're, we're calm, now that we're here, how can we think about and sit with what's happening? Talk to me about what you're feeling. Talk to me about, you know, the experiences you're having. And I really just let someone talk to me, share what they're feeling stuck on. And I try to pick it apart, right? Like asking the right questions to be able to discern what's underneath that stuckness feeling. So a lot of times the stuckness itself, whether it be career-wise, whether it be relationally, it's just a manifestation of something else. And so I like to guide somebody through a series of questions and enlarge. Those are often done with the eyes closed and it's a very visual experience. Um, And once we get kind of to a deeper level of understanding, it's I mean, this is a long process, right? So one session could be just on regulating the nervous system and trying to cultivate awareness of what's happening without cultivating awareness. There's no space to either accept or change a situation. If somebody is feeling stuck in their career, my first piece of coaching advice would never be quit your job, right? Because they could be really happy underlying at the job, but super confused by so many experiences of emotion that they don't know what's driving it. So I like to spend the first stage of my coaching program. And it's often 90 days doing a lot of awareness, cultivating a lot of awareness. And then we go into a little bit more of, okay, like you have an ideal world. Like, what does it look like for you? Let's cast a vision of what your life can be like. And then we do a lot of work on, okay, how do I want to feel 
What do I want to, who do I want to become? Not what do I want to do? And then with that vision, the last part of it is, all right, let's go get it. Let's go, let's go make the action plan to get it done. Um, I know that's a little bit vague, but it's hard for me to give super specifics when a lot of the work is both tangible and tactical and also very energetic. Yeah, no, I, I will. It, it's funny you say about like first you calm the nervous system because I'll never forget like my like first um, therapy session with one of my one of my many therapists throughout the years. I came to the session and was like sobbing because like I just had like a really, really bad day and I was just like I couldn't even speak. She's like. And she'd never met me before. And she was like, okay, Zoe, like name five things you can see. And like, I've never done that exercise before, but it, it worked so well. Like I mm-hmm. calmed down immediately and was like able to speak English, which was amazing. And um, also it's funny that you mentioned body keep the score. Cause I'm literally listening to that right now on, um, but I'm <laughs> it's like 14 hours but <laughs> it's of like this, you know, of a, um, psychology book but it's so interesting it's it's so good it's so good and I think that it's if I have one piece of advice for people too relating to self-healing it's if you are really struggling even like in a state of meh-ness and I mean I don't mean like acute acute struggles I'm not going to speak to that because I'm not a licensed therapist but if let's say you're just having a day where you're like ugh, I feel super eh get into your body. Like don't try to sit and think your way through it or even meditate your way out of it. I think of meditation as a space to practice cultivating awareness, but I don't think of it as a way to state, to change my state. Mm -hmm. So something like sitting and taking 10 deep belly breaths, doing a minute of jumping jacks, going outside and the freezing cold, if you're in the Northeast and just breathing in the air jump into an ice cold shower, like something really visceral and physical that will, that will change how you're feeling is your friend in those moments. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes in healing and therapy and and all of these um, wonderful new age models of mindset coaching and work. Yeah. We miss the body and there's so much intelligence in it. So much like, just like, I mean, granted, I'm not very far into the book, but one part that I thought was so interesting was just talking about how our bodies can, like, begin to adjust to and even, like, enjoy pain. And he gave that example of, you know, saunas or, um, like, running even and, like, how objectively like saunas are really freaking uncomfortable at first and you feel like you're suffocating but then you become to enjoy them and like it and then you know comparing that to someone who's been through a traumatic experience and goes back to that toxic partner because and I just thought like that parallel it made it such a good point and it, it was such a good point of and like made it so much more it made so much more sense as to why people in toxic relations go back or why, you know, it just, I don't know. I thought that was just so interesting. It's so true. It's so true. And to that point, if you've ever taken a yoga class, right. When you do certain poses, hip openers or, you know, shoulder work for me, like it can release some emotion and it's it's as simple. It's as simple as like a painful experience, a breakup with somebody getting stored in the body. 
and you massaging it with a ball or in a stretch. And it's just, it has space to move. It's just energy and movement and it's coming out in tears. Like that's what's happening, which is so wild, but so powerful. Yeah. Your body's amazing. It's so cool. Like, yeah, everyone should read this book. Um, (laughs) So I wanted to kind of, I guess this is a little bit counterintuitive because I was talking about, you know, the, the downsides of capitalizing on wellness, but I do want to hear it of some things that you think are like really have at least benefited you in your wellness experience. I've certainly taken the advice of one of them. So like little, I guess like tips and tricks that have helped you would be awesome. Oh yeah. This is my, this is my wheelhouse. As Zoe knows, I'm always sending random little ideas of things for people to do. Um, the first thing I will say before I share any tips that are really tangible is what we were talking about before, when we think of wellness becoming a trend, all of these things have to work for you as a human. Every person is different. So what I share or what Zoe shares or anything you listen to or look at on Instagram or whatever the modality, those are all things that have worked for others. So my biggest piece of advice when cultivating wellness practices, wellness rituals is trying a bunch of things and actually spending the time with yourself to say, did that work for me? Right. It's just like the quote unquote diet culture, right? Some people don't eat meat. Some people do neither is here nor there. It's just what works for that person. So my first piece of advice is be an open book and also be your, like use your body as a personal lab and see what works. Um, to me, like I talked about earlier, getting into the body has been something that has changed my life. And what I mean by getting into the body by way of rituals is breathing breath work. It is my ride or die, um, modality. I love Wim Hof. If you've heard of Wim Hof, um, he has a really interesting style of breathing. That's powerful inhales and exhales and extended holds on exhale. And the experience is euphoric and incredible. And you end up being able to hold your breath for up upwards of two minutes at a time, which is wild to think about, but it's one of the most, it has changed my life. I've done it every single day for the last year. Um, so I recommend if you're interested in Wim Hof breathing to Google it there, he has a bunch of free videos on YouTube and he also has an app that is like five bucks a month, I believe, but really interesting thing to start with. To that end, also a Wim Hof modality is cold therapy. So I'm a huge fan of ice showers, cold showers. Um, Getting outside for a walk in the morning is my way of doing cold therapy at this moment because I'm in in, uh, the Northeast. But if you're not, I recommend playing with it, right? Like play with at the end of your shower in the morning or in the evening, putting the the water on cold for 30 seconds and then see how if you can build the experience I like to share after a cold therapy is I, I get out and I'm like, Whoa, I'm so alive. I'm so invigorated. And I've done something really freaking hard to start my day. And so nothing else that comes into my day is going to be as hard as my cold shower. So it's a really wonderful way to empower the self. Um, so do you shower in the, in the morning? So what I'll do is I wake up Well, my, my morning routine is like something I've been working on for so long that I wake up and I, get a full mason jar, like a liter full of water, put a little lemon in it. I sit, I put meditation music in my ears and I just drink my water. And that's all I focus on. I just get the, get the liter in first thing. Um, and then 
I have a meditation practice that I've cultivated through my experience as a yoga teacher and all of that. So I do a little bit of, it's called um, Vedic meditation or TM meditation. You might've heard of it, but it's mantra based meditation. And I do that for about 15 minutes. And then I do a breathwork practice afterwards. And right now, because it's the winter after I'm done with that, I'll go and I will make a green I, I use athletic greens. So athletic greens, if you're listening, sponsor this podcast. Um, <laughs> I love it so much. But I just feel like if I get in all those nutrients first thing in the morning, I'm like, if I don't want a salad in that day, I'm like chilling and I feel really good and supercharged. So I make my athletic greens. I love how I'm getting so specific with you on this, but no, I'm I my- like going to write notes after. <laughs> <laughs> so I make my athletic greens and I drink it. Um, you just and then it I- with water? With water. It's actually good. They, they've done a really good job with the formula. It doesn't taste like grass, like gross. It, it's nice. It's good. Um, and then I get out and I go for a walk. I put it, I pick a podcast. I like use it as a fun little thing in the morning to say like, Ooh, which podcast am I going to listen to today? I have my go-tos. And then I just pop my headphones in, get a coat. Don't even, I'm literally wearing like my pajamas still. And I just like get outside. I believe that this practice, like just getting outside has changed my life. I started doing it within the last like five, six months. And it's just, it's so great to just like move and get sun on my face and whatever come back. And I'm just like ready to go. I'm ready to sit and have a cup of coffee and chill and do my work. I'll work out, but not always in the morning. It just depends. Um, and so those are really my ride or dies breath work, sun on the face, cold exposure, tons of water. Um, I keep it really, really simple mostly. And then of course, like I mentioned earlier, once the foundation's there, once I've cultivated an experience of like, wow, I feel good. I feel like I'm, I'm me, I'm calm, I'm hydrated. I'm all of these things. Then we can get and play with like CBD and all these other cool different yeah. tools and try it and like, see what works. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I mean, if it works for me, I'm going to try to do that throughout February doing the, your routine. Yeah. And I can send it to you too. Um, just so you have it for reference, but I think the simple, the more simple it gets, the better it is because at the end of the day, like if you're hydrated and you're sleeping and you're getting outside and getting fresh air, like those are the three key things that will change the way that you feel, um, during the day and throughout the day, in my opinion. And speaking of sleeping, you have to share the best tip you've ever given me ever. (laughs) I knew you were going to ask me this question. Um, okay. So I will also really quickly talk to you guys about my sleep routine. Now I have a really high maintenance sleep experience, sleep care. And it's because I've struggled with sleep in the past as a result of being so emotionally and like physically stressed for so so much time. So I'm a huge fan of, um, red light glasses. So I use blue blocks. I use like these little, they look like aviators are actually really cool and they have red lenses. So around like eight, I put them on. So my body kind of starts to chill out and I start getting into the space of like no blue light, um, and relaxation. And then I've really been working on not looking at my phone before bed. So one thing that's helped me with that is charging it in another, in another room. Mm-hmm. And I will put my phone down, charge it, and I'll read for like an hour or so. And I love it. It's something, it's like a natural sleep pill for me. And then the kicker, the most incredible thing that's changed my sleep of recent is taping my mouth. Um, and I know it sounds crazy. People, every time I say it to people, I'm like taping your mouth, like what? But 
the most incredible um, book, one of the most incredible books I've read recently is called Breath by James Nestor. Again, another one that I really recommend. And it talks about the power of nasal breathing. And when we think about nose breathing versus mouth breathing, it's like drinking tap water would be equated to breathing through your mouth and drinking filtered water. Water would be like breathing through your nose because your nose is built to breathe. It has all the different like hairs and filtration systems to be able to properly pull in oxygen and clean it. And so there's a lot of studies that have shown the power of sleeping um, with your mouth closed as it relates to snoring and it relates to like in uninterrupted sleep and all those things. So mouth tape is basically just like a little piece of tape. It's not like a huge piece of duct tape or anything. It's like a bandaid kind of size. You can get it on Amazon and you just put it over your lips before you go to sleep. It doesn't feel stressful or suffocating. Obviously if you're sick and your nose is like blocked, don't do it, but (laughs) like use your own discernment but it has um, drastically changed the quality of my sleep and the lack of getting up in the middle of the night. I don't know, Zoe, if it's, you know, you want to talk to how it's helped you, but something I really recommend for people to try. Yeah. I, I've just literally used it twice and it's awesome. Like I was so worried that I'd be like, like, trying to, like, <laughs> like not able to breathe, but it, it's really not that hard. And like, I even can, <laughs> this is the most like, millennial thing ever I can even like tell my like okay Google to you know I can speak to my okay Google with it on and then I'm like yeah it's time for bed um awesome so before we wrap up I always ask a couple of questions just to you know end the episode so the first question is what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today when I was 19 I had spinal surgery um I completely shattered a couple discs in my back and couldn't function for about a year. So a story for another time could do a whole podcast on it. Um, but it was probably the most profound experience of all time. Um, for me, just in so many reasons. And it's a big reason why I, I prioritize my well being and my physical well being so much now. Wow. I'm glad. Are you, was it from soccer? Um, it's still TBD. I think it was a lot of things in combination, misdiagnosis, plus just pushing it a little too hard um, and predisposition as well from genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a perfect storm of all these different things, but I'm better for it now. And I'm, I'm super aware of just like function and longevity in the way that I move. And I think that it's a hundred percent something that I now looking back I'm really grateful for the experience, even though it was hellish at the time. Definitely. <laughs> Next question. Do you believe everything happens for a reason? I do. Um, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in synchronicity. I think we have so much power within us that we don't even understand or, and I'm, I'm just still beginning to understand it, but I really believe that our life is, our, the way in which we perceive and project reality. And to that point, I think that everything that's happening is happening for us in divine timing. And to that end, yes, I agree that everything happens for a reason, but I also agree that I believe that everything is intentional and is exactly as it's meant to be, even if it makes absolutely no sense as it's happening. Love that. And I agree. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Ooh, gosh, I have so many. Um, 
I would say in terms of a mantra, I often repeat to myself, I'm with you. And to me, I am with you just means that at the end of the day, like my loyalty is with myself. So whatever's happening around me, whatever like people's emotional experiences are, I choose to lead from like my heart, my soul, how I feel. And I'm loyal to that. And I'm loyal to the highest vision of myself always. And sometimes when I feel jealousy or feel anxiety or whatever it is, it's just me looking at someone else or looking at something else thinking, oh my God, I wish I had that. Or I wish I could be that. And forgetting the fact that like, I can, because I'm loyal to myself and I'm loyal to where I'm going. I'm loyal to what I want. So I often repeat, I am with you to myself. The other quote that I'm really into right now, and I wouldn't say it's my favorite quote, but it's something that I I think is really profound. It's by Robin Sharma. And I posted about this on my Instagram and on my LinkedIn, but it's about um, health and I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's like health is the crown on the well person that only the ill person can see. And I think it's really profound. I can say it one more time. Health is the crown on the well person that only the sick person or the ill person can see. And to me, it means we walk this life with so much invincibility that we think that we have. Like we think that, oh, if I'm stressed or anxious or, oh, if my stomach hurts or this, that, we push it away and we push it away and we push it away because we need to make money. We need to... Mm -hmm chase success. But at the end of the day, like if you're sick, if you're, if you're hurting, if you're struggling with something physical or mental, it's only then that you realize like, Oh my God, none of the money matters. None of this matters. If I don't feel good, if I'm not well. Um, so it's something that I try to remind myself a lot when I'm, I'm, I'm taking for granted my health or I'm dismissing it is to remind myself like, no, that's, that's the crown jewel and everything else can wait. That's so important. I mean, I'm such a uh culprit to not prioritizing my health mental physical etc because I was afraid I was gonna you know I didn't want to take leave from work and I didn't want to miss classes and blah 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 and at the end of the day you need to prioritize your health and I Mm -hmm. think that's like the one silver lining I'd say of COVID is that when people get sick with COVID it's a legitimate excuse to not work like sit on your ass, watch cheer, just <laughs> relax. And even though you feel like shit, I mean, granted, knock on wood, I have not had COVID, but like when I was dealing with that stomach bug, I was freaking out the entire time. I was like, I just took a long break. Like I was, you know, away from work for a week and then I took like a day off of that week too. And I was like, I can't miss two more days, but I'm like, I'm literally like throwing up every 10 minutes like I cannot work it, it, it mm-hmm. just, like there's no like this is a very easy excuse kind of a thing um and just kind of sitting with that and being like okay whatever the reaction of like my manager or that man like the, her manager is I know I'm sick and I know I need to take care of myself absolutely um, sorry for the TMI everyone um <laughs> <laughs> next question is what do you love most about yourself this one this is a good question I think um it's a practice self-love I'm just gonna say and I'm still working on it even though I I coach and teach I still have to practice cultivating it's always Um, the hardest question which is so it is it is I think one thing that I love about myself is the way in which I am relentless in 
learning and my curiosity to be better. I think that for me, I always, I, I never believe that I know everything. And I believe that there's so much in this world that I want to see and what I want to chase and what I want to know and I want to feel and all of that. And I think my continued curiosity and my obsession with learning and connecting with others and letting them teach me and allowing it to change how I feel and change how I grow. And my commitment to that is something that I'm really proud of um, because it wasn't always that way for me. And I think that the more and more that I've surrendered and I've surrendered to like, wow, I'm so small and there's so much more to this life than just what I see, the more I've been able to expand and impact and grow and feel life in the way that I couldn't even imagine to feel it. So I think I'm really proud of my ability and my constant tenacity to learn and to grow and to be better and to question and to, and to also surrender to the fact that I don't know everything. I love that. And I think that's just such a invaluable skill to have. And last question, which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city and city can be, you know, whatever you want it to be. Um, it's funny because usually this question is like kind of random, but I feel like so much of what we talked about is how you find solace, but enlighten me. <laughs> For sure. Um, I feel like every time I get these questions, I have really circular answers, but <laughs> solace, it's, it's, it changes for me every day. And sometimes solace is like sitting across from an incredible friend or human and just having the best conversation and it like lighting me up and feeling so at peace with that. And sometimes it's completely being alone and just having a wonderful cup of coffee or like a cup of something that's amazing with a beautiful view and just peace and quiet and light and sunshine. So I think that solace to me is when I've come to a place of <clears throat> peace and understanding with exactly the moment when I'm not trying to get out of the present. Presence is a practice for me too. So the more I can get present with a friend, if it's in conversation or with, again, myself sitting alone or experiences that make me feel alive and just focus on exactly where I am, that's where I feel solace. Um, it's when I'm running from what's happening that I'm anxious, yeah. you know? I feel like we're so similar. Wait, when is your moon sign or what is your moon sign? My moon is in Aquarius, I think. My, my sun's in Libra, my moon's Aquarius, and my rising's Pisces. I, I feel like we're so similar. Okay, maybe, we, maybe. We need to get an astrologer to do our full chart. <laughs> I know. I need to get like some tarot readings or something. Um, well, Tori, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can everyone follow you, follow your business, learn more about your coaching, um, request, you know, to be a client? plug everything. Amazing. This is so much fun. Um, my Instagram handle is at Tori Penta. Um, very simple. My name T O R I is how I spell it. And then, yeah, if you're interested in anything related to my coaching program, I have, I share a lot on social, a lot on my Instagram stories and in my DMS is often where people find me. Um, so please don't hesitate to reach out. I also have a Calendly link in my bio. If you want to do a quick call and, learn a bit more about what I do, but again, don't be shy. I'm an open book. Um, and I'd love to connect with anyone and everyone, even if it's just for a conversation. So Instagram's the best place to find me. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Tori and bye everyone. 